Can you hear that sound? Isn't that a wonderful sound? You hear that chatter? You hear the giggle? You hear the aww statements? Do you know that some of you that hug somebody, that other person may or not have been hugged all week long? Now, you may think I'm being a little sappy right now, but it brings a point. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10, this day is a, a mixture of thoughts. We have taken a moment to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to have this liberty. And if they could be brought back to speak, they would say this is one of the byproducts of that price that they paid. Because some of us, we get that survivor's guilt when we try to think too deep and think, oh my goodness, we're not doing enough. No, they paid the price that we may go on in life and enjoy life. We also, of course, cannot get away from the fact that many have served in armed forces or are serving presently in law enforcement, fire departments. The list goes on. Medical personnel giving back. And so it brings us to where I want to take us today. When you look around today, to your left and to your right, do that again, who do you see? Here's an easy way to remember it. To that person to your right, just point to them and realize that one is another. Took the, to your left, point to that one. That one is another. Now you think that's kind of corny. But again, that is a biblical phrase. One another. Easy way to remember it. Everybody we come in contact with is a one another. The Bible speaks to us repeatedly about one another's. The importance that they play in our life the important role we play in their life. If I ask for a raise of hands today, how many of you are struggling in this culture today to be friendly to somebody that you don't know? You, your hands would go up because we're cautious now. A discussion earlier today, if I ask for a raise of hands, we're afraid of offending somebody because we've become that sensitive. Jokes that we once told in jest now could be seen as being harmful. Even though that wasn't the intention, it's the way it was received. And if we're not careful, what we're going to do is just keep backing up and cocooning. We're just going to allow a few in. And we're paying the price for it. Do you know churches struggle with warmness? Churches struggle with how far do we go? What are we allowed to do? It's a, it's, a, it's a tough situation, so let's go to the Bible. Now, before we read the Hebrews, we know in Scriptures, real quickly, some of the most major passages of Scripture. How many, raise their hands this time, have heard of the Ten Commandments? 
Good place to start. And in the Ten Commandments, the first four of them is dealing with relationship unto God himself. The next six, more than the first four, of course, is dealing horizontally now with one another's. You see the form of the cross unto God to others or one another's. The great commandment. Once again, we see that same pattern. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered with a layered answer, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, it's just Shema. But then he says, love your neighbor as self. There's one another's mentioned not only in the Ten Commandments, but the Great Commandment. Of course, then we get into the Great Commission, and it's dealing with, you got it, one another's. The golden rule is dealing with, once again, one another's. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Would you stand with me as we read the Word of God together? Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. That's one of my favorite words. Therefore, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, I want you to notice now, I'm going to pull them out each time. Verse 22, let us, notice that. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, notice again, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, once again notice, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging, there it is, one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Just before you're seated, turn to those people by you again and say, now I know who you are. You're a one another. (laughs) William, you're a one another. You're one of another. Three times in that passage, the words, let us. Now, you'll notice on the screens, we're not talking about lettuce. We're talking about let us. When I asked Lauren to put that together, she just gave me that look like, really? But you won't forget it now. Because we're not talking about lettuce. Talking about let us, opportunity to do something. Now, of course, a, uh, a family member of lettuce would be cabbage. I've heard one, one guy, he always talked to me, he said, you know, two heads are better than one, even if one head is a cabbage. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about scriptures speaking to us about let us. Again, the pattern is here that we have now shared in Ten Commandments, Great Commandment, Great Commission, Golden Rule, three times. Let us, 
The first two times, it's talking about relationship unto God, what God has afforded us through Jesus Christ. And again, those that may just start their journey of reading the Bible, when it talked about the veil and it being Jesus' flesh, that's not a weird statement. What that was is in the temple in Jerusalem, there was a great veil, a curtain that separated every other place from this one hallowed place called the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died on the cross at the very same time with that earthquake, that curtain in that temple ripped. Not from the bottom up, but from the top down. God was saying, now you can get to me. Jesus' flesh opened up the way to let us come into his presence. And as casual as today may be and all the festivities that will go along with today and this weekend... It's part of that privilege of knowing the price that's been paid, not only by service members laying down their life for their country, more grateful for that, also Jesus Christ laying down his life that we may have life and life more abundantly. We understand, again, that pattern is not only let us come into his presence, not holding on to just our hope of salvation, but also let us, and this is where it really gets important, to stir one another, to spur one another, as King James, to encourage one another to good works. Rick Warren puts it very well when he reminds us, life is meant to be shared. I watched as service was going on today, I watched Philly. I don't know why she did it. She thought she's in trouble. But she comes over here and all these beautiful children were right over here in this altar and she took time to pray with each one. You know why that's important? Because they're one another's. Those one another's will be on water slides within the hour. And that will be important. Those one another's will be eating hot dogs. I know you're getting hungry. And so, again, uh, I like how the Message Bible put this once again. When the King James says, spur one another on to good works, New King James, uh, to stir one another, to encourage one another. But the Message Bible put it, let us be inventive how we can help one another to good works. In other words, taking opportunity and doing something with that opportunity because life is meant to be shared. We know that the, the, the severest form of punishment on the planet, armies have learned this, is to put somebody in solitary confinement, to remove them from other humans. The anguish of hell will be to be alienated from God, separated for an eternity from God's presence. The severity of being alone, the fear that comes with it, the pain that comes with it. So we have to be reminded how precious it is to share life with each other. The early church, Acts 2.42, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, and among the things listed that they realized we need to do as this thing's growing, that we need to be here for each other, they called the word fellowship. To come together, to do life together, 
How many knows that life together is fun when you got food? They would fellowship with each other, home churches, prayer meetings, Bible studies, cottage prayer meetings, all these terms coming from that biblical model of doing life together. Let us find ways, let's be inventive how to encourage one another. The struggle of our times, if we're going to be very honest about it without being negative, just being factual, is too many times we accept the minimum to be the maximum that we'll offer anymore. I'll do just enough to be friendly. I'll go so far, but if they say one thing, if they look at me wrong, I'm going to slap them. Or I'm going to back off. Or I'm not going to help again. And we find ourselves just being reduced. Instead of being progressive and saying, if I didn't reach them that way, I wonder how I could reach them. They refused my hand of fellowship, but maybe they'll accept a chocolate pie. We've accepted the minimum too many times. You see, community has to be cultivated. I love the word cultivate. It's the, it, it's the picture. It's, it's telling us there's effort involved. If you're going to have a garden producing by the end of the summer, you're going to cultivate that land. You're going, to, you're going to weed. You're going to fertilize. You're going to water. You're going to work. And you're going to get the benefit as a result. A house of worship is no different. You have to cultivate fellowship. It doesn't just happen. Obviously, early on, the entry level is casual conversation. When the pastor asks, stand up, turn around three or four people, that's, that's entry level. That's, that's important. What you just did a few minutes ago, it's the first time somebody's heard somebody else say their name all week long. How many likes to hear your own name? It's every hand. Unless you're Philly, she thought she was in trouble when I called her name out. I'm challenging you today. I'm doing it in a backdoor fashion. Because our culture's changed. Some things that uh, some of us that have age on us, things that we used to do just so readily, is challenged today. We find ourselves just, oh, I, I don't know if I don't know if people are worth it anymore. How many how many's been mad at another person this week? Raise your hand. The rest of you liars, raise the other hand when I ask. If anybody's ticked you off. It is so easy to get offended today. It's so easy to get irritated today. It's so easy. Anybody can do it. But we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be praying for one another. Even to love our enemies. You say, oh, I knew Pastor, you were going to go that way. I found a part of a, uh, of a poem, I, I love, uh, Pamela read the one, I love that, and this, this speaks, and Carrie talked, the reason he did the 13 folds is the church is to be a safe place. Listen to this. Oh, this is rich. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe 
with a person. Having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words, but pouring them all right out. Just as they are, chaff and grain together, certain that a faithful hand will take them and sift them, keeping what is worth keeping, and with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Wow. How long has it been since you felt safe with somebody? They've earned the place to be called your friend. And now you can just vent. Now you can just talk without, okay, I've got to gotta weigh my thoughts and measure my words. I, 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 I don't want to be offensive. I, I don't want to be presumptive. I, how many times do we have to preface our remarks anymore? But isn't it wonderful to be around that person like, can I just talk a minute? Can I just be frank and honest for a moment? Husband and wives ought to be able to do this. Friends ought to be able to do this. Children with their parents ought to be able to do this. That's one of the things I think we got right with our son. Growing up, you finally get of age. Tell us what you're feeling. Tell us how you feel. Talk to us. And sometimes it hurt what we heard coming back. Perceptions. Biases. Sometimes maybe misguided, but regardless, giving that room to have conversation. The house of God's got to be the same. It's got to be that safe place to be able to come together to talk. You see, to have that honest sharing, to have that courtesy to one another, that courtesy of, of respecting our differences, that, that courtesy of of, of being considered of somebody else's feelings. The thing that we're very scared of today, shared earlier, is confidentiality. There's something new out there today. I, I'm, I'll give a spoiler alert. I know you haven't heard of it yet. It's this thing called social media. And it's frozen us. It's paralyzed us. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then when somebody is hurting, I mean, who, who do they go to? Does Scripture not expect us to bear, oh, there it is, one another's burdens? How do you pull that off today? To come and say, I need you to pray with me. You see, it isn't just the pastor. It isn't just the counselor. It is to the body of Christ to get to these places where somebody can come up. I need you as my sister in the Lord, my brother in the Lord. I need to pray. I need to get through the sin. I need to get through this thing that haunts me. I need to share with another human being. I'll go ahead and give a, a statement that my father-in-law made to me many, many, many years ago. Of course, he's gone home to be with the Lord. And by this time, there was an acknowledgement that I was going into the ministry. And he made a statement that sounded kind of strange then, and I've repeated many, many, many times since then. He was referring to me as a pastor, and he said sometimes he's had people come to him and confess a sin. 
They didn't really want him to do anything with it. They just needed to talk to somebody. And sometimes they would get to the point of, I want to tell you, but I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can risk it. And then he would make this statement. He said, then I want you to go to the Catholic church and go to their confessional booth and just talk. Now that sounded strange to me, especially when I was in my late teens, early 20s. But what he was telling me is it helped that person to know even though there was a screen there, a wall there, a curtain there, there was another human being listening. Boy, you're quiet. Can we be that people that when those times are called upon us, we're not going to judge them? We're going to help. We're going to share God's word. We're going to love on them. Let me give you another spoiler alert. Do you know people mess up? That person sitting next to you, they've messed up. I'll give you a bigger one. That person next to you, they've sinned. Let me give you a bigger one than that. That person sitting next to you, they know the person next to them has sinned. What are, where are we going with this today? Proverbs 17 and 17 simply says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Raise of hands. Have you ever had that person that you could feel safe with and tell them your mistake, your sin? Look, did it not bring healing to your life? Did it not bring strength? Did it not bring hope into your life? Let us be that person then for somebody else. So let me close. I haven't forgot it's Memorial Day. But what are memorials? When you think it actually evolved, right? Today we have memorials constructed out of stone and many other different uh, uh, wood or, or metals, uh, uh, descriptions, pictures, memorials that we remember. But before they were ever a memorial, they were an opportunity. And once they were an opportunity, there was an action. And because of an opportunity that was met by action, now we have a memory. And some of those are so worthy that they move on to a place called a memorial. We don't want to ever forget. We don't want anybody else to ever forget. So we construct these memorials. So here's where I leave us challenged today. On a memorial day is to look at ourselves and say, can I be memorable? What is it that is coming my way today? Again, the Hebrew writer says, let us encourage one another. Let us stir one another. Let us spur one another. Now, those of you that know me well know that I actually go back to King James quite often, even though it isn't my, the Bible of choice that I read for my study or even my devotion. But there are certain words that come out of the King James that 
I memorized, most of my scriptures I've memorized was back in King James only days for me. And this is one of those passages I want to hold on to King James. Because, uh, Jim, would you come up here and help me preach? And, and uh, as you come up here, I, I really feel anointed to do this. <laughs> would you face the congregation? See, when I think of the word spur, one another, I think of cowboys with cowboy boots, and they have these spurs, and they would always just kick that horse Thank you, <laughs> to spur them on. To do a good work. Thank you, brother. You were so anointed today. Uh, thank you. Bless you. <laughs> I love that word spur. I knew he would have let me do that. Because sometimes that mental picture will help you get past the minimum and dare to do the maximum. Because sometimes your words of encouragement just still doesn't get them moving. You got to spur them on. You got to help them along. This is a preach, folks. You better amen me or I'm going to preach 20 more minutes. Ooh, come on now. To be inventive. How can I motivate this guy? What can I do for this gal? When you find out their story, now you start having some mercy, some compassion, some understanding, room now to offer forgiveness. And you realize, God, you have put me in this person's life for this moment. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. How many times you prayed, here I am, God, use me. Lord, let me be an instrument of mercy. Let me be an instrument of grace. Well, it typically doesn't happen in a sanctuary. It's in life out there. That's meant to be shared. And here in this moment, here they are divulging. You were there when they were exposed. You were there. When they had that vulnerable moment to let somebody else know, and you're right there, then God, let me be inventive. Don't let me quit. Don't let me just stop. To make it kind of personal, for those of you that are young, when I first got in the ministry, we were serving in Monroe, Georgia. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. People held it against me that I was young at that time. I had a head full of black hair. What could a young man with that much hair know about life? I was called upon to serve. It would be so frustrating to me. I didn't feel like I had all the answers, but I had some of them. There was one thing that just God put in me, and it, it came natural, but, but I realized God was using it. I've always had a strong work ethic. And when I gave it time, how many times did I have somebody that didn't give me opportunity before I come back? Okay, you can talk to me now. 
because you're the hardest working young man I've ever met. And it was my door to speak into their life. And then they were wild with the wisdom that I had. No, that's just added. (laughs) It's giving it the time. It's giving it the opportunity. And there's something else in me. You can call it stubbornness. You can call it hard-headedness. I like to call it being driven. I like the expression that comes out of Kentucky. When somebody would stay with something and they wouldn't quit, they say, son, you got stick. Stick with it. Stay with it. The church of Jesus Christ was called here to make a difference. Stand with me or I'll keep preaching. 